Hello, my friends, and welcome to this quiet talk that I have to share with you today. I called it this talk, How Things Work, and I'm going to try to differentiate between what I'm pretty sure of and what remains a mystery to my mind. Let me start with that second category. I have a couple of friends who have very serious illnesses. Both are believers in Jesus. I pray every day for God to heal these people. Now, there are Bible teachers who say that God doesn't do miracles anymore. That was just for the Bible days, but I don't believe that to be true. I've known many people who were healed from what were sometimes life-threatening diseases in answer to prayer. My problem is that not everybody is healed when I pray. I'm trying to remember a time in the Bible when somebody came up to Jesus and asked for healing and was refused. I can't think of a case like that. However, there was this. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus preaches his first sermon to the hometown crowd in Nazareth. There's no harder place to preach than in the town where you grew up. Jesus said, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. Elisha, who was the prophetic successor of Elijah, did many miracles, but he didn't heal everybody. This Naaman the Syrian was healed, but none of the Israelite lepers got healed. Why? I don't really know. I haven't found any scripture that says that at some point after the time of Jesus and the apostles, healing in answer to prayer will stop. I have read about what Paul called gifts of healing, which he says come through the Holy Spirit. I've never heard a reasonable explanation as to why we have such detailed instruction about these miraculous gifts when they were going to be temporary. makes no sense. So what do we do when someone is not healed when we pray? And indeed, when many people pray earnestly for them, we continue to trust God. If there's life, there's hope. So I keep praying for my friends to be healed by God. Now let's turn to something uh, about how things work that I think I understand a little better. Many of us have people we are praying for that are not sick but that perhaps don't know the Lord or have some other life difficulties that they need God's help with. We would like instant answers, but they don't come. You know, many of us grew up hearing fairy tales about someone with magic powers waving a wand or snapping their fingers, and some impossible situation was immediately changed for the better. We like instant answers, don't we? But life seldom gives instant answers. Usually problems that took years to develop take years to solve. 
I've known of unsaved individuals whose loved ones prayed for them, sometimes for a lifetime before they turned to Christ. Listen to this little parable that Jesus gave. Another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Leaven is yeast. The woman in the parable put yeast in a large amount of flour. After a time, the yeast worked through all of it. How does yeast work? Yeast is actually a fungus. Does that gross you out? Do you not want to eat bread anymore? Anyway, yeast in the dough converts sugars present there into carbon dioxide, which makes tiny bubbles in the dough, causing it to rise. You may be glad to know that when the bread is baked, the yeast dies, but the air pockets remain. What's the point of this parable? The point is this, the kingdom grows silently and slowly. When dough is rising, you don't hear anything. There's not big hoopla, which provokes something of a diversion for me. I have been in church work a long time, and some of that time I was a music director. When I stopped being a music director years ago, hoopla was a big thing. They wanted spectacular Christmas programs hopefully featuring live donkeys. I did my best, but Cecil B. DeMille, I'm not. So I gave that up. I do love music, I love to sing, and I love to direct choirs, but that's about it. Now that we've dispensed with hoopla, let's go on. Like yeast in a batch of dough, the kingdom spreads almost unnoticed at times. The thing about yeast is that After enough time has passed, you take the towel or whatever you use to cover the bowl up, and lo, and behold, the dough got bigger. But nobody sits and watches the process. It happens silently and unobserved. I don't know how many little tiny bubbles of carbon dioxide have to form to cause a large batch of dough to rise, but I'm guessing it's a lot. Not one big explosion, but millions of tiny ones. Now, to apply this to our thought here, the kingdom spreads in the world at large, and it also spreads in the life of a single individual. Think of that unsaved person you've been praying for so long. You don't see anything happening, and you're tempted to get discouraged and quit. But don't quit. Things are happening that you can't see or hear. I have heard testimonies from people who were converted, who told of things going on in their hearts, perhaps for years, that nobody around them dreamed of. Here's another good verse for you. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. That's actually two verses. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God is working. He's working secretly and silently, but he's working. He's working in the heart of that person you're praying for. Maybe he's arranging certain sets of circumstances to gently nudge them in the right direction. Our job is not to constantly take the cover off the bowl to check on the dough. Our job is to pray faithfully. We had some 
Christian children's books when I was a kid. I don't remember that much about the plots in those little books, but I remember one illustration that was given in one of them. The main characters were a couple of Christian young people, and in one story, one of them was praying for a lost friend. They became very discouraged, and so an adult was talking to them about this. They were evidently outside, and there was a construction site close by. Now, you need to know that these books were written a long time ago. What I'm going to relate doesn't happen in this way nowadays, to my knowledge. But some workers were trying to break up large boulders by hitting them with sledgehammers. They hit them repeatedly, and it looked like they were getting nowhere. The boulders weren't breaking. But finally, after many blows... One hit that seemed to do the trick, and the rock was broken. I don't know what's going on inside a big rock when you're hitting it with a hammer, but something must be happening because after many hits, one of them gets it done. Don't give up. Keep praying. Speaking of rocks, listen to this verse from Jeremiah 23. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Nothing is more powerful than God's word. Pray it and preach it and never quit. Heavenly Father, help us to be faithful in our prayer for those who may be lost or who have terrible problems in their lives that they're wrestling with. Help us to not quit, to never give up in our prayers, to trust God, to bring the desired outcome. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. My dear friend, we appreciate your prayers down here in Texas at the uh, church called St. Michael and All Angels Anglican Church in Kerrville, Texas, where I'm the rector. And uh, we're trying to reach uh, people for Jesus, and I hope you'll pray for us. And as always, you can reach me by email. Now, listen closely. You can still reach me at father.danjones at outlook.com. But next week, God willing, uh, you're going to get this email that those of you on the list will get from a different address, and it's going to be Father Dan Jones, no dots, no spaces, at proton.me, P-R-O-T-O-N dot M-E, me. That will be my new email address. You can reach me at that address, address now, but this talk is going out from the old one, but next week it will be from Father Dan, jo- Father Dan Jones at proton.me. May God richly bless you.